Welcome to the Arizona Society of CPAs podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fry, Director of Marketing. And today I'm happy to be joined by Ryan Demena, who's a partner at Demena Public Affairs. We've been very fortunate to have the Demenas working with us on our legislative activities for several years. They've been able to get important issues to CPAs in front of legislators. We're going to talk a little bit more about the upcoming legislative session, conformity, and other items of importance to CPAs. To start us out, Ryan, I know you attended the governor's inauguration last week. Could you share a little bit more about that event with us? Absolutely. So um, we had the inauguration on uh, Monday. Um, I can say this is one of the most diverse inaugurations I've ever attended. our statewide leadership is now um, a pretty diverse mixture. We have a Republican governor, Democrat secretary of state, uh, Republican attorney general, Democrat superintendent of public instruction. So again, it's very diverse inauguration ceremony. Um, for the most part, uh, I'd say the comments made by our statewide elected officials were uh, fairly vanilla, but I think there were some big takeaways um, in the governor's remarks. Um, Specifically, he uh, renewed his pledge to uh, ensure that teachers receive that 20% pay raise, said that he wants to ensure that that 5%, uh, well, there's a remaining 10%, so 5% in the 2019 budget and an additional 5% in the 2020 budget, uh, which will get them to that 20% raise by 2020. So renewed that pledge, um, but also, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about this, but the state's uh, budget surplus is um, the highest that we've seen in recent memory. And the governor made it clear um, that he uh, does not intend to go on a spending spree. Um, I think wanted to make that clear uh, to legislators who are aware that there's a budget surplus. Um, and then also talked uh, a lot more about fiscal responsibility, uh, which I think is a nod um, to his approach on conformity, which we'll also talk a little bit more later. Thank you. So the legislative session is starting next week. (laughs) So what do you think will be different this year? (laughs) I would say pop your popcorn. This is going to be interesting. Um, So only a few short years ago, um, the uh, Republicans in the legislature enjoyed what we call the supermajority, where um, of the 60 uh, members of the House, 40 of those members were Republican. And then in the Senate, the 30 members that you have uh, 20 of those were Republican. So you fast forward to where we are today, the Senate, um, the split in the Senate is now 17 Republicans and 13 Democrats. In the House, this will get especially interesting, there are now 31 Republicans and 29 Democrats. So if there's something that the Republican Party would like to get done in the legislature, all it takes is one member to say, I don't really like that plan, and it puts the whole thing into a bit of a tailspin. So from that perspective, just in terms of um, sort of the breakdown, the party breakdown in either chamber, uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see sort of what rhythm they get into. I I would suspect that there's going to be a few sort of derailments, a couple explosions before they get into that rhythm um, of treating with this new slimmer majority. Um, The other thing I I think that's noteworthy is um, the previous uh, legislative leadership team, uh, both leaders, the President of the Senate as well as the Speaker of the House, came from the Chandler area. Um, so urban policymakers, I've always found that those um, more urban policymakers have uh, 
sort of a more executive type approach to policy making. Uh, you fast forward to this incoming legislative session and the president of the Senate will be um, uh, Senator Karen Pham and she hails from Prescott and uh, Representative Rusty Bowers who while he is uh, from the East Valley has a lot of sort of rural ties and I think is really connected with that community. I've always found that rural policymakers have sort of a more uh, communal approach to their policy making. I think it's much more inclusive um, so I think we'll see uh, a change in the leadership style. Um, and the last thing that I think is, is absolutely noteworthy about this legislative session is that, um, and I mentioned this earlier, is the budget surplus. Again, since I've been uh, down at the legislature, I cannot remember a time um, when the state has had a surplus at this level. They believe that there's over a billion dollar surplus. Um, the analysts at the legislature, Joint Legislative Budget Committee analysts, have pegged that about 200 million of that can be used for ongoing spending, okay. and the remainder of that is only one-time revenue. So this will be very interesting. Oh, sounds like it'd be great. So conformity, Yes, that's the big word, <laughs> on the minds of our members. So can you give an update on what conformity is looking like right now? Absolutely. So um, like I said, pop your popcorn. Um, conformity is top of mind for everyone. Um, in every year that we have worked down at the legislature to ensure that we conform and in time for tax day uh, there has never been um, what I just refer to as the price tag associated with conformity it has never been this large conformity in the past has been um, effectively revenue neutral uh, a few years ago uh, conformity had a 30 million dollar price tag associated with it but this year Conformity has been pegged as anywhere from 50 million to 250 million. Now, those were some of the initial estimates. Um, they've since gone in and taken a closer look. The Department of Revenue, uh, legislative budget analysts, um, and I think that folks are are coalescing um, around 180, maybe 200 million. I've heard the Department of Revenue kick around 130 million. The bottom line is, it's a lot. <laughs> It is more than, um, again, than we've ever dealt with. We have seen um, in this dialogue sort of three different approaches being discussed. So the first is what the governor would like to do. Um, the governor would like to fully conform as quickly as uh, possible in the legislative session. Um, and he would like to take any new revenue associated with the conformity uh, and put that in the state's budget stabilization fund, which we refer to as the rainy day fund. So the rainy day fund is exactly what it sounds like. It's that reserve that the state can tap into when we hit hard economic times. A lot of economists out there believe that we're overdue for a bit of a dip. Um, I wouldn't say another recession or anything, but um, for the economy to take a bit of a downturn. Right now, there's only about $400 million in the rainy day fund. The rainy day fund is capped at 7% of what's in the general fund and that number comes out to about 721 million. So the addition of the conformity revenue into the rainy day fund, I think would put the state in a much better place to deal with an economic downturn. So that's the governor's approach. Uh, legislative Democrats would like to take any additional revenue from conformity and pump that into the K-12 um, system, send that to the schools. And then the third uh, approach that's being discussed, uh, we have a lot of Republican policymakers down at the Arizona legislature 
who have said that conformity should not be a windfall for the state, it should be a windfall for the taxpayer. They view this effectively as a tax increase. And what they'd like to do is pass full conformity as quickly as possible in the session, but that would be accompanied by a corresponding tax cut that would also make it revenue neutral. So I think we are in, like I said, for a very interesting session, especially on conformity. The governor is giving his state of the state on Monday, and I assume that this will be something that he talks quite a bit about. So, thanks for that update. Well, back in the end of November, the society put together a letter that they sent out to the different legislators, actually hand delivered by Demena. Yeah. And what were the results of that campaign? Well, so it was hard. Um, at the end of the day, we are the Society of CPAs, and so lawmakers had questions. And so the letter we thought was just a great idea. The letter, um, the timing of it was great because it was really as, um, as lawmakers were, again, focusing their attention on the coming session. They'd just been through a, you know, the campaign trail. Those that were reelected have now turned you know, towards the issues facing the state um, and conformity, again, being top of mind, as we've said. The reason um, that we hand delivered each of these letters as well is for that personal touch, but because this year, Unlike other years, what the society did is went out and conducted some polling in September and uh, wanted to gauge voter attitudes towards conformity. And what we found is that a majority of Arizona voters would prefer that the legislature continue to fully conform. And so that was a message we wanted to share with policymakers. Typically, they'll see polling information on some of the hot button issues that are out there. Conformity was never really one of those. So there wasn't any polling information available. And so now armed with this polling information, um, those that feel that we should fully conform as early and quickly as possible are sort of bolstered by voter attitudes towards that, so. And were we able to have any meetings with the legislators? Absolutely, absolutely. So there's a tremendous amount of outreach from legislators, uh, the governor's office as well. The governor's office was very appreciative of the polling information, again, because I believe that the society's approach, which is full conformity as quickly and painlessly as possible, very much comports with what the governor's office would like to do. So they were very appreciative of the polling information. Um, and actually next week, uh, we will be taking um, a member of the society to meet with the House Democratic Caucus and we'll be presenting on conformity and answering any questions that members may have. So That's it great. absolutely yeah. lit a fire under policymakers. So what else is on the society's legislative agenda this year? So the society always has a full plate. Um, there is, uh, we joke that you always have to reserve capacity for defense. You never know really what's coming down the pipeline. Every legislative session, um, and I don't know for whatever reason, but lawmakers will introduce anywhere from 1,100 to 1,300 pieces of legislation. Three to 400 of those will eventually be signed into law. That's not to say that you have a one in three or one in four chance. <laughs> that just seems to be the math every year. Um, but one of the items that the society would like to tackle um, was included in last session's budget, sort of in the 11th hour. And there was a provision tucked away in the budget that required mandatory audit firm rotation. Now this is something we've dealt with in the past. Um, many years ago, uh, former Senator Rich Crandall, who at the time was the chairman of the Education Committee in the Senate, he uh, passed, was able to get past legislation that made sweeping changes in the world of charter schools. One of the provisions that was tucked away required audit firm rotation in the world of charter schools. 
We then met with Senator Crandall, educated him on the issue as we are with policymakers now, and just explained to him that when you require audit firm rotation, the uh, propensity for audit failures goes up, the costs related to the audit go up as well. There have been multiple studies over the years that show that it's just not the way to approach um, auditing. And um, the next year, Senator Crandall actually sponsored a piece of legislation that repealed that provision in the world of the charter schools. So we're hoping to replicate that success this session and repeal that mandatory audit firm uh, provision. And another activity that the ASCPA is really involved in is working with the Department of Revenue. And how has that work helped the state, our members, and the public? Well, so I have to say that, that um, there has just been a sea change at the Department of Revenue. Mm -hmm. The team there, and specifically the team uh, that engages the legislature, is just has a tremendous appreciation for the value associated with working with the stakeholders I mean, our CPAs, these are the folks that are out there and they see what happens when the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. um, this, the department in previous administrations, a lot of the decision making seemed to be done in a bit of a vacuum. Um, and the feedback, which wasn't necessarily positive, came very much after the fact. I think they see the value added in engaging important stakeholders like the society as early as possible in the process and working to the, together collaborative, collaboratively from there. Um, a great example, um, the Department of Revenue has 25 different legislative proposals that they're looking at for the coming legislative session, and the societies had the opportunity to provide their feedback on every one of those proposals. And in fact, we're taking a couple members on Friday to go and meet with the Department of Revenue to talk, about, you know, talk more about some of their legislation. So it has just been, again, a sea change, and we enjoy a tremendous working relationship with the Department of Revenue. Great. And nationally, there's been a big trend about removing licensing from a lot of professions. Yes, and yes. So why is lic licensing important for CPAs? Well, so CPAs, um, we, <laughs> CPAs deal with a tremendous amount of sensitive information. They provide a public service that um, basically you need the board to provide that oversight for this service. And so what we've seen in the discussion about licensing is it's sort of broken down into two camps. And one I'll just generally refer to as you know, haircuts, for example. There are discussions about licensing barbers and that kind of thing. You know, you get a bad haircut, it will grow back, you can go and get another <laughs> one. Whereas in the world of, of you know, accounting, uh, that's just a whole different ball of wax. And so when the governor initially made it clear that he wanted to take a look at reducing some of the rules and regs associated with licensing and occupations, we weren't really sure exactly what he was looking for. But what we've seen since then is that um, in the world of yoga instructors, barbers, that type of thing, he's looking where we can reduce regulation there. The, the, the focus is not so much on the services uh, provided by CPAs. I think he's also looking uh, to achieve greater efficiencies and savings just in terms of sort of the, um, the just the geography and the logistics associated with the various boards and commissions out there we have so many boards and commissions spread out all across the valley and I think he's looking to sort of consolidate them into one area in there if there's um, if there are areas where we can maybe have you know shared administration that kind of thing to produce savings to the taxpayer that I think is more the focus on the licensing and occupation realm. 
not so much on the CPAs. Goodness. <laughs> yes, very good news. So is there anything else that members should be aware of right now and doing? No, I would say, uh, again, just repeat, you know, pop your popcorn and, and <laughs> let's get ready. I believe that conformity will be just a major issue and it will be a major issue very early on in the legislative session. Um, as I mentioned, inauguration was Monday, but for those of us that work in the legislative process, the real fun starts Monday when they gavel in for the first regular session, the governor gives his state of the state and actually releases his budget recommendations. And so from that point is where the real policy discussions happen. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this information to really help update us. And I know throughout the process, we'll be have daily communications on Connect, so Ryan will keep us updated Absolutely. on what's going on with conformity. And thank you to all of our members for your participation today and also with your donations to our PAC Absolutely. and involvements in some of the meetings Ryan is talking about with educating the legislature. So we're looking forward to getting that popcorn ready. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah, thank you.